Good morning. It's a beautiful day in the old Pueblo, and you're listening to KTDT Tucson. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored, all-volunteer-powered rock and roll radio station. This week, we honor the back-to-school tradition by going back to a school interview we did with Cameron Taylor. He's head of school for Imago Day. We originally aired this in 2018 and found some additional footage that didn't make that show. Today is July 30th, 2023. My name is Tom Heath, and you are listening to Life Along the Streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core, and we shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A Mountain to the University of Arizona, and all stops in between, you get the inside track. Right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org, also available on your iPhone or Android with our very own Downtown Radio Tucson app. And if you want to get us on the show, check us out on Facebook and Instagram, Life Along the Streetcar. And uh, head over to our website, lifealongthestreetcar.org, for information about us, the contact button, or um, maybe to listen to some of our past shows. And one of those past shows included the part of the interview from today with Cameron Taylor. This goes all the way back to 2018, one of the first stories we featured. It was also in the book. Uh, but then we uncovered some additional information that was not as part of that original broadcast. So we wanted to bring it back and have you listen to it. So here's the interview we did with Cameron Taylor back in 2018. Yeah, my name is Cameron Taylor, and I'm the head of school at Imago Day Middle School. We are a tuition-free private school in downtown Tucson, uh, but we're a little different in that we serve only low-income families. So the kids and the families do not pay anything to come here. Uh, we provide everything throughout a regular school day, regular school year, and then some through a lot of uh, expanded programming and extended days and hours. Um, and really our mission is to uh, combat cycles of poverty through education. And, and so our goal is to provide students and families with the skills and the tools and um, the confidence to, you know, uh, achieve their goals, whatever those goals may be. Um, I understand the school's been, this is the 13th year of the school. Yeah. And you got involved in year two. Mm-hmm. What, what, what brought you here is you were, what brought you here to begin with and kind of why have you stuck with it? So, um, it's, it's a funny story how I got involved. My, uh, I, I was, had just started dating a woman who had just recently had gotten a job here and in year two, and there was, you know, only a handful of students in year one, there was five kids and one teacher, uh, in the parish hall of St. Andrew's Episcopal church. And, uh, year two moved to an old apartment complex, a few blocks North of here on sixth. And my, uh, then girlfriend, uh, now wife got a job at the school in year two. And uh, I think in an attempt to impress her, I began volunteering and doing some, uh, some really some cool art projects with the kids. And Is that your background, um, is, is art? Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, it, the rest is history or, or it backfired terribly. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> but uh, we're both still here, still involved. Uh, and, and really it's because of the community and the kids and, and the families and the need, you know, um, uh, Tucson is consistently, you know, one of, if not the poorest large city in America. 
the economic disparity in town is pretty stark. Anybody, you know, um, who spent any time here knows that our proximity to the border and our diverse and unique kind of, you know, immigrant community, um, is, is so beautiful and diverse and robust, but you know, with that come a lot of, uh, needs and a lot of struggle and, uh, this community from the very beginning, um, thanks, I think, uh, to its founders, has really been uh, about community and about working together to, to solve problems uh, on a larger scale um, than just kind of individual problems, you know? So so when we think about breaking the cycle of poverty, um, we, we think about it individually, but we think about it as far as families and neighborhoods and communities, you know? We're hoping that our kids will go back to their neighborhoods and, uh, you know, work towards similar goals and, and share, you know, what they've learned and share their passion and, and, and share what they're capable of with others. So we kind of feel like, you know, hopefully the idea is that the impact is exponential, you know, is that yes, we have, um, you know, a certain amount of students and then a certain amount of families, but, you know, we, we view it as something bigger than that. And so that, that just really stuck with me from the beginning and, and working with the kids was, uh, a surprise to me how much I enjoyed it um, and you know I must have been alright at it and after uh, a couple of years of hounding me uh, the, the founders finally talked me into coming on uh, staff and I started as the art teacher and and uh, you know figured out that I had uh, an ability to kind of that, that building something structurally like uh you know, like a sculpture or a furniture or something, uh, is not that different from building something programmatically. And that uh, I really liked the process of building in that way. And so just kind of took on various roles throughout the years and until uh, now there aren't really too many more roles from it. This is it. <laughs> Tell me briefly about the founders. It was two... Episcop- so two Episcopal priests, Susan Anderson Smith and Ann Sawyer, um, who... Had had you know uh, various life experiences here and in other cities that uh, just really led them to believe that um, the surest way uh, to combat poverty at a grassroots level is through education. And there are a handful of schools like us in the country and, and some programs that are similar. And uh, so they took the model of the Epiphany School in uh, Dorchester, Massachusetts, uh, just part of Boston, and uh, brought it to Tucson. And, um, you know, it's a pretty terrible business model when you think about it. We, it's, we have a really high cost to acquire our customers. Um, it, it costs a lot to service our customers, and then our customers pay nothing. Um, so, you know, it's an interesting business model, but, uh, you know, we, our, our results uh, can be seen throughout the community. And um, it was really pretty visionary on their part to under, to to undertake something that did have, you know, significant investment as far as just energy and, you know, money and that kind of stuff, but, um, for, you know, social gains down the road, um, and to be able to convince people to buy into that vision is pretty impressive. Um, so it's nice to be a part of something like that. In the longstanding Episcopal tradition of um, kind of trying to right social justice ills through education, uh, we don't proselytize. We uh, are not um, making Episcopalians. Um, we're trying to, you know, help um, 
wonderful, incredible citizens develop. Uh, we, we do have worship. Um, we have religion classes. Our religion curriculum is academic in nature and our worship is inclusive and, um, you know, uh, that led by a student vestry and, um, is, is designed to be as welcoming as it can be to an incredibly diverse population. You know, we we're diverse, not just, uh, in our and you know the various faiths of the students and staff and, and family members, um, but um, you know ethnicity wise and where the kids are from, uh, about a quarter of our population are uh, refugees from African conflicts. Uh, we have refugees from other parts of the world as well, Central America, uh, the Middle East. Uh, many. Uh, of our students are learning English and are from Spanish-speaking countries. And so uh, we, we have a very diverse community in general. Uh, so although we are uh, an Episcopal school, we, you know, we're welcoming to everybody except kids of all faiths, no faith. Um, it, it doesn't matter to us. We really believe that um, there are many paths to God. And, uh, you know, we the power of what we're able to do together when we um, are in community with each other and when we, um, you know, are willing to have those relationships and, and talk about those things openly is limitless. So the school itself, it's, it's four grades, five, six, seven, eight, correct? Yes. Uh, and you have, uh, by design, you have a cap on member on uh, enrollment? Yeah, so uh, we cap out at 80 kids, 20 kids in each grade, and then two teachers in every classroom for a 10 to 1 ratio, uh, which is pretty good um, compared to public schools and really, you know, any place. Um, and again, all that is by design, you know, we believe that the small class sizes and the, and the um, two teachers provide uh, an opportunity for our kids to um, receive more individualized uh, and more focused instruction. Uh, one of the, you know, kind of consequences of uh, poverty is inconsistent education experiences and so you know with our refugee and uh and immigrant community you know those those kids are potentially learning a new language learning a new culture um their educational experience may have been different in you know wherever they lived previously they may have been in school not been in school you know uh families in poverty tend to move around a lot uh, so, you know, it, it's uh, those small class sizes and, and the two teachers are really designed to be able to provide a really focused, impactful, effective, um, almost an intervention. I mean, it's it's uh, it's really trying to meet the needs of students in their really formative, critical, academic and social uh, kind of evolutionary years. If you're just joining us, we're listening to an interview we did in 2018 with Cameron Taylor, head of school for Imago Day. Found some additional footage in the archives that never made the original airing, so wanted to bring you the extended version here today in honor of going back to school. You're listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and streaming at downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087. BK number 0902429. Equal housing opportunity. 
Welcome back. We are in the middle of an interview that we recorded back in 2018 with Cameron Taylor from Imago Day Middle School in downtown Tucson. Uh, we, at the time, we were doing shorter interviews because we had multiple interviews per show, and we didn't air some of what we had discussed. So now that we're through this one interview format, we have more time and wanted to give you the full extended version. We're going to finish up the second half of that interview right now. And when, before we uh, started the interview, I was taking a tour, it indicated that some of these, uh, some of these kids are coming in, they can speak four or five different languages, but in an academic sense, it's a struggle for them. Yeah, especially with our, um, you know, the, with the students who are coming from other countries, um, especially our African students, you know, it's not uncommon for them to speak a couple dialects of, uh, you know, whatever, uh, languages in their you know region or their country Swahili, Kiswahili, that kind of stuff. Um, Kinyarwanda is a, is a big one, and then also some French or a uh, little German, sometimes some Dutch, <laughs> uh, because you know there, there's more uh, linguistic influence maybe uh, where they're coming from. And what's incredible is that uh, how quickly those kids pick up English and Spanish. So usually the you know our African students by the end of the year are speaking English pretty well and uh, can get by in Spanish. And it's pretty neat to see. <laughs> so tell, tell me about the, the curriculum. Is it, it's, it's a standard middle school curriculum? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, um, because of our class sizes and the amount of teachers and volunteers and, and the fact that we're a private school, we're able to really meet the kids where they are um, and meet their needs more specifically. So we uh, we know that these kids are going to go on to, you know, other high schools, public, private, all kinds of high schools. And so we obviously have to have, you know, a baseline set of what they need to know. But we have a little bit more flexibility just because of our size and, and being a private school to where um, we can, you know, reach kids in a variety of ways um, that, you know, maybe other, maybe in a public school setting, it's just, um, it's not feasible because of, you know, funding and staffing and that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, it's a standard curriculum, but we're able to, um, I think maybe get a little more in depth or investigate things further, explore things a little deeper because we can. Uh, where we deviate is probably outside of our core curriculum. So in part because we have extended hours, we have a 10-hour school day. And in part because of our downtown location, we can offer this incredibly robust enrichment experience. So we, we call it, it's our enrichment programming, but everything in the arts and physical education and, uh, you know, anything kind of outside the, the core classroom. So in addition to their language arts and history and math and science and, and writing and those things, our kids are also blowing glass at Sonoran Glass School and, and taking their, uh, their art classes are all taught at Tucson Museum of Art and they do capoeira with a group downtown and they play tennis downtown and they cycle downtown and uh, they're really able to take advantage of all these really cool organizations and agencies and groups down here uh, to be able to do a bunch of you know really cool stuff that would be impossible for us to offer as one organization. Um, we really view our campus as all of downtown Tucson and not just our buildings. Um, and then obviously, you know, we have U of A and tons of partnerships over there. And so it's just, 
we're, we're really in kind of a sweet spot where it's easy for us to access a lot of really cool stuff and we try to access as much of it as we can. But that wasn't always the case. When you first moved to this location, this, uh, Tucson was not as robust as it is now. And I think there was some no, controversy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, Tucson has developed, uh, as you know, dramatically really in the you know, the past five, six years. And you've been here? Um, we've been here eight. And so we were the only thing on the block for a long time. Uh, and, you know, outside of a few longstanding kind of stalwarts, most of the businesses down here are new, uh, at least, you know, in our time. And uh, it wasn't always the case. Um, but I, again, I think our founders, uh, you know, were just kind of prescient and and knowing that uh, this would be a, a good long term move for the school. And, and certainly, I think you could, you know, some people could say there was risk involved, but you know, it worked out. And, and there were a lot of a lot of people who were still intimately involved with downtown that were involved. You know, Fletcher McCusker uh, was a really a big part of us coming downtown um and and i think you know if it weren't for some other kind of leading voices and, and some other people saying hey you know we should do this then maybe uh, our founders would have thought twice about it but it's turned out to be an incredible move the downtown community has been incredibly welcoming um has been um you know our kids we don't we don't really have any safety concerns we were out and about all day long uh, and we don't really just, you know, in general, we don't really have any issues. Um, we found again, since we view our whole camp, our campus as all of downtown, uh, it's, it's kind of incredible to think how fortunate we've been actually that, um, our kids are able to experience an entire, you know, really diverse kind of, um, burgeoning neighborhood well yeah as you explain yeah. you know a lot of a lot of your students come from a, a variety of backgrounds and mm -hmm. showing them a sense of community outside of the four walls i think is an extremely yeah helpful uh, educational tool and it's worked out well for you financially i mean you've gone from renting you now own what used to be a, a, a the sears headquarters yeah i think or it was a corporate headquarters for sears um and uh kelly's market next door among other things i think it was a jewelry store maybe right before we moved in there was some real secure cages in the back. <laughs> Let's just hope it was a joy. Yeah, yeah exactly. But the, the, cage, the cages are gone, but this is a, it's a, it's a fairly deceptively large facility from the outside. You've got quite a yeah. lot of space in here. Yeah, it's huge. It's, it's funny. It's almost, it's like a, uh, you know, it's like a row house or a brownstone or something. You have, you know, our facade is not that wide, but it's very deep. And <laughs> we actually have a huge, enormous school in here. Uh, and, it's, it's really nice, actually. I think that um, we're kind of tucked away, and I think it just adds to, uh, you know, a bit of safety and um, allows us to, again, you know, take advantage of this bigger, broader, cooler community um, in a way that, that we weren't able to before. And so, you know, so having a permanent home and having um, everything we need down here and, and anything we don't have in our facility, we can find somewhere else. And, um, it's been a really great uh, relationship with downtown. Well, a couple of things to touch on here. Sure. You mentioned your 10-hour days. That's yeah. a little bit unique. And you go to school 11 months out of the year. Yes. And that that's a part of helping to really adapt with the needs of the students and yeah, so, kind of catch them up. Yeah. Well, there, there are a few reasons. 
partly it's academic is that, you know, we talked a little bit about that, uh, the potential for kind of an inconsistent educational history. So it allows us to make bigger strides uh, in a year, uh, especially when we're dealing with uh, students or families that are, you know, acquiring a language and learning a new culture and that kind of stuff. But it also, you know, provides uh, really a safe place and some childcare. And, you know, it's, uh, many of our families uh, are in a situation financially where uh, they need to work quite a bit. And, you know, we're talking about kids between, you know, nine, 10 years old and 13, 14 years old, you know. So uh, having those long days also provides uh, some support and some stability for our families. They know that there's a safe place for their kids um, to be. So you're, you're uh, selling an expensive product mm-hmm. to uh, consumers that don't pay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, where does the funding come from? So we, again, we've been incredibly fortunate. Uh, Tucson, you know, is is an amazing place. Uh, all of our funding comes from the community. We receive no federal or state funding uh, of any kind. So, you know, there's a, a few grants and, and some foundation money and that kind of stuff, but the vast majority of it is small donations from community members, um, either through charitable charitable giving uh, or through Arizona's uh, tax credit law. So you, you know you can you can give uh, as a direct direct tax credit as an individual or a family, um, and corporations can as well. And then for the students, they're not paying, but they are invested. I think you use the term that you you want them to be all in. Yeah, you know we. Um, we want it to be a partnership between us and the families. So it's important to us that, um, that we work together and that, you know, we understand that in, like in any partnership, there may be disagreements about things, you know, and that, um, we may get some pushback on our really long days or we, you know, um, we, we have high expectations for our students here and we understand that, that, that there may be some pushback, but we're, we want to have that discussion and talk about why and what works for each other and to be able to reinforce each other. You know, none of the stuff that we're doing academically with the kids really matters if if we're not reinforcing each other you know families and school then the values and the character traits and the academic experiences that we're trying to give to our students don't really matter because they're at odds with maybe what parents are saying or what parents are saying is at odds with what school is saying you know so we want to we want to work in partnership that doesn't mean that we have to be right all the time or um that you know families have to um buy in in a way that um you know, that doesn't feel like true partnership. We just, but we want, we want to make sure that we're all on the same page and that what we want is, um, the best for our students so being and enga- our families. Being, yeah. being engaged yes. doesn't mean being in agreement. Yeah. It just means having an active conversation about yes. what you agree and disagree upon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And understanding that we can figure out ways to work past that. I mean, obviously there are things that are non-negotiable for us, right? You know, you have attendance. You have to come to school. <laughs> um, but, uh, but we understand that, you know, our families have challenging lives. Your relationship with your students does not end at the end of eighth grade. It does not. So uh, part of what makes us unique is our graduate support program. Uh, In addition to curriculum, while the kids are with us in grades five through eight, we also track and support and mentor and and help our students in any way uh, through high school uh, and beyond whatever comes after that. So, you know, we... uh, that's that's everything from them coming over after high school after their day of high school because they're hungry and they need a snack or they need a place to write a paper or they need a tutor to helping 
our kids and our families get through FAFSA paperwork and applying for college or uh, finding vocational training. Um, we're, we've, we're expanding that programming now to include all kinds of programming through workshops and, and partnering with other organizations to include everything from um, resume building to financial literacy to um, various uh, skills trainings like, you know, CPR um, and, and other other skills that families and kids might find useful. Uh, we're, we're really trying to eliminate some of the barriers that um, families living in poverty face um, so that they can go from uh, kind of a survival mode to thriving, you know, surviving to thriving. How, how does someone, if they want to discuss moving their children here how did that how does that happen do you have space so we currently uh have some space in the fifth grade uh so anyone looking for a new home for their fifth grade student anyone who wants a private school education and all these opportunities we're taking our kids to camp for a week next week in prescott uh it can call us um our, at uh, our phone number is five two zero Eight eight two four zero zero eight, or you can find us online at imagodayschool.org and uh, really fifth grade is the key uh, we have waiting lists in grades 6, 7, and 8 and uh, it's pretty hard to get in uh, because you know we're, we're having such success 85% of our kids are going on to private high schools with full rides and over 90% of our kids are graduating high school which is about 25 percentage points higher than uh regional and state averages in Arizona. Um, so if you get in on the fifth grade, is that, do you, do you start over in the sixth grade or are you sort of, you're in, you're in. Yeah. Yeah. And for, uh, fifth grade is, is, uh, it's not a traditional middle school year. Um, and, and we like to think that, you know, we're providing kind of a head start on high school, um, and that getting in in fifth grade will set our kids and our families up, uh, better for whatever comes next. The only qualifier for uh, attendance is the financial. Um, so students have to qualify for uh, free and reduced lunch. There's no test. There, you know, uh, there, there are no other qualifications. Um, it's really, we're, tr we're trying to meet the needs of any and all families. So it's really just uh, that financial qualification. That was Cameron Taylor, head of school for Imago Day, originally recorded back in 2018 with some bonus footage that did not make that first show. It's one of the benefits of going to a single feature each show is we're able to dive a little bit more deeply into those topics. Originally, we were very aggressive and thought we could get two features each show. That was not only just exhausting for volunteer staff, but it was uh, not allowing us to get as much information out as we had hoped. So uh, we switched that a few years ago, and then we come across these archives with some uh, extended interview material. Well, my name is Tom Heath. You are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM and streaming at downtownradio.org. Support for Downtown Radio is provided by the Tucson Gallery, located in downtown Tucson inside of the proper shops at 300 East Congress Street. The Tucson Gallery offers original work, reproductions, and merchandise from Tucson artists like Joe Padgett, Jessica Gonzalez, Ignacio Garcia, and many more. For information about all the artists, including when they will be live at the gallery, head to the TucsonGallery.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook as Tucson Gallery. And thank you for listening to episode 258 of Life Along the Streetcar as we 
honored the back-to-school tradition by going back to a school interview from 2018 with some bonus footage never aired before. If there's anything you'd like us to cover, hit us up on Facebook or Instagram. Maybe head over to our website page, lifealongwithstreetcar.org, and let us know. And as we head out today, we're going to listen to some music by the Masaka Kids Africana. The song is called Back to School. My name is Tom Heath. I hope you have a great week. And tune in next Sunday for more Life Along the Streetcar. <laughs>